Hello, and welcome to episode 33 of Q&A Quest. We're back from our brief summer break. Yay! Funny thing about that summer break. You may be saying... How I spent my summer vacation. You may be saying, hey, it's actually not that long between episodes. That's because I actually spent the summer break sitting on an episode instead of editing and posting it. That was weird. Like, the way that that... And, like, there were issues that had, like... We got got a complaint or two about that episode, yeah. and there were issues with it, so we apologize. <laughs> yeah, these things, things happened. Q&A <laughs> Quest is a bit loose, and unfortunately that can occasionally mean we kind of go off in we went a little many far, random so. directions, yes. This is, the, this is the, the new improved and still absolutely unfocused, but more focused than last time, we promise. No way, this episode is going to be laser-focused on us random ranting, sorry, about random nonsense. Well, this is what happens when, like, Lulwhoops went into, like, question overdrive and set us, like, a bazillion, and we can't thank him enough for that. Yes, uh, which means we actually have a deep stock of high-quality questions that will last yes. probably for, like, another eight episodes, so there you go. That Especially if we keep getting good ones in threads. Yes, that doesn't mean that doesn't let everyone else off the hook. Everyone, yeah, has to send in good questions. Law whoops is, is in our good books, but the rest of you have a lot, lot to explain. Boy. Yes. <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you. How'd you spend your summer vacation, Wheels? Let's at least get that out of the way. Uh, I spent my summer vacation. Um, not really having a vacation because I don't have any vacation time to use at the moment. So, I played some Pokemon X. I played I, lots I of Final Fantasy XIV. Trying to get you to play that when I was playing it, and you were like, eh, mm. eh, eh. and now you're going at it like you're killing yeah, cats. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, this cool cell phone game everyone's playing. Yeah, I'm gonna go play a real Pokemon game. And, and let's let's play an actual Pokemon game. And I don't get me wrong. D- don't get me wrong. There's no knock on Pokemon Go because it's fun and it's a nice social thing, but uh, it really gave me the itch to play something that was like an actual Pokemon game. Which again sounds like I'm digging into Pokemon Go, but I'm really not. Like Pokemon Go, by its own, essentially by its own admission, it's not really meant to supplant. The idea of wanting to play normal Pokemon. Yeah. That's like, the... it can be a satisfying experience, but it's not meant to make you think, I don't need to play the traditional Pokemon games anymore. It's meant to remind you, I love Pokemon. I should play more Pokemon. Right. And I mean, even when they add what I assume they'll eventually add in trading and, uh, you know, multiplayer more battles social. and things right. like that, the battle system is still super simple, so. It's not never gonna have it's, like the strategic. It's designed to be deck. played in short spurts. Exactly, and it's a nice way for more casual people to play Pokemon that probably uh, would have no idea what they're doing in one of the actual games. So a little bit for everybody, and you know, I, I thought there might be a little more negative reaction from kind of like the more hardcore Pokemon players, but everyone seems to be enjoying it. So. There you go. The, the degree of media penetration on that is absurd. Is like one of the, yeah, it's one of those things that you only see like once in a blue moon. Like, oh my god. Yeah. 
Like obviously, so obviously, it's not going to be this big forever. But it, I just think, assuming they keep up the pace of adding new features, it'll stay around for a long time. But yeah. you probably won't be hearing it like all over the damn place for it's that just, much longer. It's just longer. not possible for any one thing no. to bogart the entire world's attention for very long. Yeah, our society is a... ADD. Ooh, ooh, shiny new game. Yeah, uh, we we've never been victim of that, have we? N- but uh... um, yeah, not even gonna lie, we're a victim of that like three times a month. Yeah, like every few minutes, one of us is like, "Hey, I'm gonna play this," and then like we play it for like ten minutes. It's terrible. <laughs> our our IM conversations are basically a never-ending stream. So I pick this up, and yeah. then like occasionally, like a second message will be be made about that. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, well, I picked this up, and it's like, you need an intervention. What are you doing? Um. <laughs> like I just bought. Uh, Dragon Quest Monsters Joker 3 for no apparent reason. Cause, uh, so I needed to like import some... Uh, so I got I replaced my original 3DS with the smaller new 3DS because I like having like a smaller model. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, which, um, completely separate discussion they announced is, you know, kind of getting a re-release in the US as, at a much lower price point than I paid. So that's fun. <laughs> So you can just sort of cry into your wallet. Yeah, but uh, so the moral of the story is there aren't a lot of, in fact, there are no like accessories for the smaller new 3DS in the U.S. So I I had to import some, and I'm like, well, while I'm doing that, what random Japanese game can I buy along with it? Because hey, you know, I might get one of these eventually, and this way I save on the shipping, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Right? crickets it, it seemed like that at the time yeah but yeah i have not played that much of that at all so i have nothing to report on that game other than the fact well you know what that's going to come up in a later question so um the other thing i did during the break was i picked up sheeran the wanderer for the vita to re- to review and Is that a review up yet? I haven't been paying enough attention. Yeah, no, I haven't finished a game yet. But I did make it all the way to the final boss. And so in rogue-like terms, that means that your time to complete could be anywhere from now to Doomsday. Yes. Uh, I mean, I had an escape scroll, so I escaped with my powered-up weapon and powered-up shield. So the plan now is to go back through and power those up further and hopefully make it there to the end with more allies alive. Um, the game doesn't seem super, super hard. I mean, some of that can be just kind of luck, but and I think part of it is just, you know, I played a lot of Sheeran on DS, so I'm kind of used to kind of how this goes. And really, how you have to play Sheeran is use as many of your items as you need to, or you will die. And manage your inventory carefully. Yeah. Roguelikes. Yeah. I can't play them, so I listen to you talk about them occasionally and then yell at you for liking them. Uh, some of them are really bad. I'm not going to lie. But some of them, like play... like the Sharon games, are basically... It's it's a strategy game. What? Like, rec- I'm just saying, like... Oh, God. 
was going to say, what resources do I have left? Should I use this here? Will I die if I don't use this here? Uh, should I escape now if I miss escape, escape throw? It's it's a strategy game really, and some of the and some of the roguelikes are just none of that. They're just using the rogue mechanics and it just doesn't work. Like uh, uh, Zuna, the unemployed ninja, kind of felt like that, mm. and was not well, particularly. I feel like that's a game that sold entirely on its good name, as opposed to like the rest of it, which is mostly. Probably, and I'm I don't have any evidence of this, but I I think the second one didn't sell as well. I remember seeing that on clearance. Yeah, I recall it happening. Yeah. So, yeah, I will have more to say that on later, but we've probably been. Yeah, I'll just say my piece and just say never take my advice on roguelikes because it is a genre I fundamentally can't get along with. Yeah, it's 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 like the genre of not for okay, everyone, not like... really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's let's uh, we have tangents into enough. I will just say that my summer playing was oh let's compare different versions of Lunar. So I played Lunar Silver Star on Sega CD and Lunar Silver Star Story Complete <sighs> on, on PS One in tandem. One right at like finish a dungeon in one. Okay, switch to the other. It was disorienting but fun. That is deeply confusing, but I'm glad you made it through. Okay. Yeah, I survived. I learned a great deal about how deeply they rethought the, one of my favorite remakes ever, making a game <laughs> that I think doesn't really hold up that, that well into a game that I think holds up very well. Nice. Alright, so why don't we move into our first question, uh, which, while we're talking about games I reviewed or am reviewing, and I'm just going to say all these questions are from Low Whoops unless otherwise mentioned just to save us the time. And so he Yeah, was, he uh, he filled up our backlog uh, real well. Yes. <laughs> and that way we don't have to keep saying his name over and over again. So the question is Seventh Dragon, you're reviewing at Wheels. And these are some older questions he sent me that I yeah, some kinda got buried in my inbox. Anyway, but is there anything you want to say about it that you can't or didn't in your review? I'm quite excited for it after playing the demo. Sell it to the masses. Um, so there's probably some things I can say about it that didn't naturally fit into the review. Um, like, generally, the game is just fun. Um, kind of the way the class system works, it's a little bit easy to break it. Not necessarily, like, the harder bosses or anything like that. Uh, but your party is powerful, and they feel powerful. And... The game seems to encourage you to mess with different combinations, and one nice thing that really allows for this is your primary source of healing is items. So you don't have to, you never have to have a designated healer. So you can kind of just use whichever class mix you want to try, or use three of the same class and just mess around with things. And you know, I can actually think of some instances where three of the same class might work because uh the hack like for example the hacker class has some abilities that weaken enemies to hacking so you can kind of mix those in the same turn if you had multiple multiples of them but all the classes feel powerful and interesting some of them are are your kind of your standard rpg uh classes but they always seem to have like a at least a little wrinkle to them so 
you know, the game is just generally solid. It looks nice. It's fun. It's linear, but gives you enough side activities you can delve into so it doesn't feel like it's just one slog through the main story. It's just really good. And I, you know, I think it's kind of hard to just express that a game is solid in text, really. Uh, I hope my review can fade that it's a really fun game and everyone should give it a try, but, uh, you know, reviews are an inexact science, as most people I'm sure know. Yeah. There's also a lot of times where, like, you'll get, you'll be writing something in a review and, like, you'll, re- you'll realize that it did mean something a lot to you, but that without context of already having the game, it means nothing to the person <laughs> reading it. Yeah. So. Like, high-context discussions really are better suited for things like podcasts and postmortems. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, if, if turn-based RPGs are your thing, uh, delving through dungeons, messing around with classes, this this is the RPG for you way more than a certain uh, Square Enix series, which I will not name. Bravely <laughs> default, excuse me. I have a little bit of a cough. Anyway, um, do you have any thoughts on Seven Dragon? I don't think you played the demo, did you? Uh, no, no, I have not. Okay. So yeah, I'll just leave it at that. It's solid. Everyone should try it and play it. Um, I really can't think of any major complaints. Uh, most of my complaints were pretty mild, minor, stacked up a bit. So anyway, obviously the game didn't. I did not give it a five out of five. Uh, but yeah, no real major complaints. Just play it, try it, enjoy it. Uh, I would play it on hard. Or not hard, sorry. I think there was normal and easy. If I'm not mistaken, I would play on normal. Uh, because I think if the bosses, the major bosses aren't difficult, and you just steamroll through absolutely everything, then that's not quite as fun. Oh, and pro tip for anyone playing the game, if you equip two accessories that give you 50% resistance to an ailment type, it will actually give you 100% resistance to that ailment type. And I guess that's actually serious tradition from what I read somewhere. So, good piece of advice there that I wish I had known. Because there is a boss, there is a boss in the game that enjoys using insta-death against you. Bosses. Yeah, alright, so let's move on to that and talk about some Zelda. Oh, man, Zelda? Yeah, you get to read this question. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, we're doing, okay, okay, I forgot what order we were doing. Yes. Uh, to be it's fair, I never actually, ex- to be fair, I never actually told you the order. Okay, that's fine, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> Showing them how the sausage is made. Okay, <laughs> could Legend of Zelda find success as a turn-based RPG with full party? How would it tap into the franchise's history of exploration and puzzles while still giving the standard RPG-like experience? Are there any RPGs you can think of that are basically Zelda-like with only a di- only with a different type of RPG? So this question stuck out to me because oh hey, I You're... was just playing a game that is this. <laughs> I was just gonna say, aren't you already like, aren't you playing this right now as we speak? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a friend was like, hey, play Lufia too, and I'm like, well, uh, I guess I just finished Lunar, and guess what? Lufia two is just. Zelda Dungeons in a normal RPG. 
Like, I think that Zelda would probably leverage its, like, long history of characters and more unique art design in a way that is a little more memorable, like Lufia 2 for all of its virtues is, is fairly bog-standard and not terribly, like, memorable thus far in terms of, like, character design or, like, art, but, like, I feel like it kind of goes to show that, like, that kind of puzzle doesn't really have to be exclusive to Zelda games. Yeah. Like, like, like when I say Lufia 2's dungeons are Zelda dungeons, I'm not, like, they are just Zelda dungeons. Your first three uh, items that you get are arrows, bombs, and a hookshot. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's block pushing, like, saw, like, solve the puzzles, like tons of puzzles that you have to solve in every single room lots of like it has a few extra quirks of like forcing enemies to stand on switches because of certain quirks of how its items work but it's they're, they're just zelda puzzles there's not like if you saw half of these puzzles in a zelda game you'd think yep that's that sure seems like a zelda puzzle that's a pretty clever one actually i was gonna say i think and wild arms kind of does this to some extent too Wild Arms tries to do it, but it never goes as full force into it as Lufia 2 does. No, definitely like, not. Like, when you do a Wild Arms puzzle, it's a very self-contained thing after a stretch of more traditional, like, JRPG dungeon design. Whereas when you do a Lufia 2 puzzle, it's like, there's always, like, you didn't really have much space between them. And, like, you'd be mani- there's a few places where it's like, oh, you need to get this ladder to drop by... T- doing this puzzle. It's very, very Zelda in a way that like basically nothing else in the genre is. So that's certainly a claim to fame. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's still pretty good. But uh, it's... Uh, like, it's one of those games that definitely, I've, I've noticed, has attained a cult following and for good reason. I would... I do... It does make me wish that more RPGs would like really try to think outside the box with their dungeon designs a bit. Yeah. Like, a lot of times, uh, dungeon design seems to be built around, like... Okay, so so this is, like... I, I've been looking at, like, like the, the... The nadir of 16-bit dungeon design next to, like, the Apex, because Lunar 1's... Lunar Silver Star on Sex CD's dungeons are awful. Like, completely unmitigated trash. Oh, yes. Like... I'm fairly certain that 70% of them all use the same brown cave tile set. One of them turns that cave tile set blue, another turns it red, another <laughs> turns it green. But it's always the same tile set. Like, there, there's never really a gimmick to any of them. Like, even the ones that finally spring for a new tile set, like the near-end game, like Grindery, they're still basically all, like, just an indiscriminate maze. You can't see anything, and you just sort of bumble around until you find the exit. Like, the the dungeons are so low effort. I remember thinking halfway through that if someone had shown me these dungeons and said they had been generated via a bot, I would have thought, that makes sense. (laughs) Except for the occasional times where they remember themselves enough to be dickish. Like, one of the dungeons uh, has you, like, you're... They're looking for a fake Dragon Master in LAN, which is a quest that's in both versions, and it's relatively similar. There aren't... Like, there's stuff in the window dressing that's obviously different. Like, certain characters are missing in the Sega CD version that are inserted into the remake, and the remake tends to make more sense for having included them. But, uh, like, you do a 
uh, like you, you you wander around this dungeon and there's no obvious exit to where the where this fake dragon master is until you accidentally wander into a space that shouldn't you shouldn't be able to wander into and find out that it's a hidden passage to the boss. <laughs> it's awful. Um, but yeah, I think that this this question really does hit upon the idea that like that sort of Zelda duties. Zelda design ethos for dungeons really is kind of an underexplored concept for RPGs. Like, you don't even need to be an action RPG for these concepts to feel natural. Because, like, it's a dungeon. Like, there's traps in it, and you, you explore it, and you can make, make the process of exploring the dungeon more fun. But, like, it feels like a lot of times you'll look at a dungeon, and it's, you know... It, it's a fairly straight shot with some branching paths that lead to items, but like the dungeon itself exists to break up the monotony of where you were going on, say, a world map, or like, and that's why in a lot of games in more recent times, like you sort of see that field there with the loss of world maps, field areas and dungeons are kind of the same thing. Yeah. Like, so like you get to something like even as far back as like FF10. Like, the only difference between a dungeon dungeon and a field area dungeon is the occasional scattering of NPCs to talk to on it. Like, the Meehan High Road in FF10 is, like, my go-to example of the field dungeon. Like, it exists as connective tissue. There's not really much to it, but, you know, it's there. Um... But yeah, going going back to the core of the question, I absolutely think that like you could approaching it from the other direction. I think you really could make a Zelda game that is in the mold of a traditional RPG, just because there's like even just between like reincarnating characters, recurring characters, and just the general ability of the Zelda team to make characters that are fun that fit like these broad archetypes, like. You give me a Skyward Sword that has Skyward Sword Zelda as a healer, Skyward Sword Groose as like like a bruiser, Groose. and Skyward Sword Link as like a Groose is on the loose, uh, and Skyward Sword Link as like an all arounder, and you've got a fairly traditional RPG party already. And that would be awesome. Yeah, no, because like those characters, they're all great, even though they don't like, even though they're so archetypal, they don't say that much at any given moment like they come through really strong because they have a really good sense of design and there's a very good sense of economy in whenever they do talk so like I really do think that that absolutely is an idea that could work uh, but like if you're hankering for a more traditional RPG experience with a Zelda style dungeon setup like Lufia 2 is what you're looking for even if like it's rough around the edges it's an, it's an interesting beast that like not not even its own series would ever really try to attempt again all of the other Lufia games are weird and kind of bad um, <laughs> let's not talk about the remake of uh, Lufia 2 Lufia Curse of the Sinistrals for the DS that really has bad Zelda envy and throughout the traditional JRPG battles to be an action RPG don't, don't play it um, it's uh or the the Game Boy Color one that has completely randomly generated dungeons, like way to throw out your best strengths. It's, but uh, but uh, what of the Game Boy Advance game? 
I have never heard a single word as to the quality of that other than people saying it's bad. I bought it because people were, people told me Luffy was, you know, awesome. I didn't realize that that was uh, the terrible one. I was not warned. Oh, man. So that, yeah, like that, I, I, that I was no the first Luffy I played. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what the Game Boy Advance one is even like. I don't even remember. I do like any time that... I like any time that they talk about gods in Lupia 2 and they have clumsily censored it so they just say super beings. <laughs> Look at this super being. <sighs> but yeah. Um, basically, Ryan, that question, right? Like, it's, it's really, like, it really is a shame that a lot of times, like, especially in, like, the tendency to move towards complete random generation of dungeons that don't really benefit from it like a lot of times like dungeons get randomly generated because there just isn't much it doesn't feel like there's much thought being put into how they're laid out it just sort of like there need to be dungeons here and it's not like it gives a sense of replay and, and like needing to plan more if you like randomly generate them so they just sort of randomly generate them and i'm sure there's more thought put into them than that because creating a engine that randomly generates dungeons is, like, an undertaking, but at the same time, still, like, carefully designed dungeons with actual puzzles that introduce, like, even elements that, well, you know, aren't traditional, but, you know, add something to it is nice. Yeah, I, I just don't feel like a Zelda-type dungeon is really going to be well done through any kind of uh, random generation. Yeah, definitely don't randomly generate those, ever. Yeah. Like that that will produce something that is um, that is like it is an unsatisfying like it's a we it's like the hot dog it's like you dungeon designed a hot dog like there's you, you don't know what's under the hood and it probably won't kill you but it took a lot to force the skin of that into something presentable and it probably isn't as satisfying a meal as you'd have otherwise with the components due to make it. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Uh, yeah, with that strained metaphor, let's move on to the next question. Okay. So. Can I make a cut here? Yes, let's have a musical interlude. Alright, so our next question is special for me. Why do you like Monster oh, Hunters man. so much? Every time I play, I think about how I missed that raptor's face by half an in-game inch, and how all my swings will do nothing while the raptor gets to maul me. The worst is I can't even... Uh, the worst is I can't even get a scale f from every raptor. It's like playing World of Warcraft except slower and on the clock. I try and try to get better at the game, but I can't even make... Raptor armor because the damn raptors won't drop any of their bits I need. Okay. Uh, just a slight pause here. 
<laughs> never bother making armor from the lowly early level monsters. Just saying. That's uh, not going to get you anywhere. I hope you were pushing out your glasses while saying that. Uh, <clears throat> yes, pretty much. Ahem. Don't bother. <laughs> Don't bother with the early level raptors. Uh, anyway, uh, I gotta figure out where I was in this question. Um, but I can't even make raptor armor because damn raptors won't drop any of their bits I need. I feel like this series makes less sense as a phenomena than the Macarena. <sighs> no comment. Is it just Monster Hunter Generation? Are you a big Macarena fan? No, it just... Now it's stuck in my head. <laughs> now, I'm gonna have to, now I'm gonna have to insert it in this episode. Is it just Monster Hunter Generation is giving me issues, or does the whole thing suck a giant idea factory? <laughs> also, I guess you could try to explain why people should like the series. I'd like to hear something about it. Um, so, the long and short of it is, uh, at least as far as the series' original popularity went, is, uh, people played multiplayer on the PSP, and doing lots of hunts with multiple people, and getting all those raptor bits, is, yeah, much easier with lots of people, so that's probably how this thing's got started, but I mean... I think the series has evolved a lot since then, and if you go back and look at my review of Monster Hunter 4, I talk a lot about how um, that game did a lot to make a single-player experience out of Monster Hunter. And so addressing some of your specific complaints, especially about missing, not being able to hit the raptors, I don't know which weapon you're... I'm putting the timer on you to rant about this. This and generations, and if it goes too long, I have liberty to kill you. So oh, okay. So for starters, I don't know what weapon he was using. I'm just gonna take a shot in the dark and say um, great sword, since he's talking about missing a lot. And I think he may have not in this email expressed complaints about uh, no lock on, which is a common complaint that people have with the series. To which I would say, why does any 3D action game have to have lock-on. Why is why exactly is that a requirement? Would you have any response to that? Uh, just generally because, like, 3D action games tend to need it just because, like, you're usually hitting relatively small targets that, like, the core gameplay is not supposed to be in trying to work out how to hit something. Sure. But I would imagine that Monster Hunter pushes against that we're like partly it's part of the hunt <laughs> right part of it is learning the mo how the monster moves the timing of your weapon things like that and if you're using some of the quicker weapons you don't really have to worry about that a lot like if you're using um say uh two swords or sword and shield uh timing's a lot easier so you don't necessarily have to worry about you know uh Timing of your timing your swings to the enemy movements. Where's that going? Where I was going with that. Uh, so generally, if if low whoops, if you're looking for a complaint, what am I doing wrong? The answer is you're probably using a weapon 
that isn't really suited for your playstyle. And there are a lot of weapons in the game, so there are, you know, lots of choices. Uh, there's even some, like, gun-style weapons, which are generally considered to be for experts, but, I mean, that may be up your alley. Um, so, the general appeal of the series, and I'm not going to go into anything deep just to say the grind for new and better gear and to challenge against new and more difficult enemies uh, is the appeal, and that's not unique to Monster Hunter at all. It just so happens that uh, um, this that this hit the Japanese audience really well, and obviously many of us being interesting inter- interested in whatever the Japanese audience is interested in, it caught on with the niche audience here. So I think that's kind of just the long and short of it. Plus, I think it kind of hits like a more actiony type. Uh, grind appeal than something like uh, you know Diablo or things like that really hit. So does that pretty much yeah. sum up the appeal pretty well? Did I miss any aspect of that? Sounds about right. Like bearing in mind that like I've dabbled in Monster Hunter and can kind of see how it's supposed to work, but like it's a monstrous commitment. Like, yeah. learning Monster Hunter, or even in the friendliest context, it's still, like, just, like... And, like, even the, the friendliest way you can play it, you're still, like... If I want to sit down and kill a monster, when the game says I have 30 minutes to do it, it means I'm probably going to take at least 20. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the best comparison I might make here is comparing something like, say, Hearthstone to Magic the Gathering. Like, if you want to play Magic, it's a huge investment to learn the game because there's so many nuances nuances that have built up over the years, and that's kind of the same with Monster Hunter, that there's lots of layers to it, and there's a lot of different random items you can make that even I don't even use and probably should be using, and there's just a lot of elements to that. That doesn't necessarily make it bad or stupid or anything. Uh, complicated games can be good. It just means that the the barrier to entry is large. And I think that kind of brings us to Monster Hunter Generations, which I'm going to rant, rant about as quickly and as... You got, uh, got three minutes. So, Monster Hunter Generations is a game <coughs> that is clearly intended to be a stopgap between major releases. Uh, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate just came out here last year, and uh, when did it come out in Japan? Not important. Um, Point is, it had been a while, more Monster Hunter. Yeah. And the thing about Generations is, it is... um, Generations, honestly, is a better name than X for it, because that's basically what it is. It's Monster Hunter Greatest Hits. And a lot of people won't know this because of some of the, some of the so there's multiple villages you can go to in this which are from the multiple different games some of which either never came out here or are many didn't play because I believe one of them is uh, the village from Monster Hunter 1 which bombed here as far as I know I think it bombed in both of its permutations that it came out here as yeah and I think the villages were different in between the PSP and PS2 release, so I 
think what's in there is PS2. I don't really know. But the point is, this is a game designed to appeal to longtime Monster Hunter fans. So if you're going this in this as your first one, you are in for trouble. Because for starters, the game is it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, it gives you a bunch of different villages you can go to after you complete the initial quests in the first village, which are kind of terrible because it makes you do a bunch of gathering missions and low-level missions, which why would you why would you structure a game designed for long-term fans that way? I, I don't understand it. I feel, uh, feel like part of it is that the game was probably at least in part designed to be like, you've played a Monster Hunter before, but you probably didn't play all of them. Here's some stuff from the ones you missed, like the best little bits. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that making sense. But, you know, so if you're going into this looking for some structure to guide you along in the game, you're going to get, here's four villages, do what you want. Which, for longtime fans, is going to be great, and I'll I'm probably just going to go to the online area and <laughs> start start working up there. Um, it really is much easier to play with people. Yeah. And there's, there's really no great single-player component as far as I can tell here. It's just going to be hunts in different villages, and oh, cool, I can go to the town from Monster Hunter Portable 3rd, which I actually kind of got excited about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's about it. But... Yeah, like I said before, the initial quest structure of this one just annoyed me, and the lack of a story was especially annoying after Monster Hunter 4. And just really the lack of structure, it just feels really thrown together. Like uh, cobbled together from old ass, Seth. Yes. What you're going to do. Pretty much. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot in it yet, so I'm getting the feeling I'm going to be playing a lot of the same battlegrounds from those games as well, which sucks, because one of the best things about Monster Hunter 4 was it added some additional mobility, like a lot more jumping and things like that. Not like a jump button, but a lot more ledges you can climb up and things like that. And what I've played so far is there's not so much of that in this game, even though you still have that mobility. So, yeah, it's great to have these new, like, hunting styles they added, which give you, which kind of change up the combat a bit. Um, but, yeah, it's not so great if where you're fighting monsters is pretty boring, so we'll see. You might see those expanded into a more worthwhile system in Monster Hunter 5. Yeah, so, I mean, in the end, I may say, okay, this is a decent mishmash. It's going to take a long time to figure that out, as we just you know, as we just discussed, these games are a long time commitment. Um, but, you know, my initial impression, and just so you know, this was actually my initial impression of the Japanese release when I imported it, was, oh, this is a step back from Monster Hunter 4. And I really think, regardless, at the end of the day, I'm going to say this is a big step back from Monster Hunter 4. So... Well, whoops, the moral of the story is go play Monster Hunter 4 because that is still the best entry point for anyone looking to get into the series. It has a fun story. Assuming, of course, that he was playing Generations. Does he specify here? He is, yeah, he, he is playing Generations. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, that one has a fun enough story. It keeps you focused. You always have something to do next. Um, 
you'll still have to f find a weapon that works for you. But yeah, that would be what that would be what I would recommend to anyone to start with the series. Definitely not generations. All right. Oh, and they, oh, there's probably more I can say, but I'm gonna end there because they already probably went over time. Yeah, because I, I will die if exposed to too much talk of this. Like, like you knew, you went for my throat when you started comparing it to card games. And like, <laughs> my brain just sort of attempted to commit suicide in yeah. response. But well, yeah, but it's a, it was actually a good comparison. It was. It seemed like a logical metaphor. I yeah. couldn't say it was because I've never played either of those for any significant period of time. But. <laughs> It seemed like a, like the metaphor went someplace. It was just like, oh no, he's talking about card games. Yeah, well, I mean, it works because magic has been around forever, and it's just got insane amounts yeah, of rules piled onto each other. Yeah, and Hearthstone will probably never be that complicated, regardless of how long it's around for. So, just being a dick. Yeah. Um, Damn you and your card game hate. Listen, I just don't like them they're not fun to me oh, one day someone's gonna make like a card game roguelike and it will be like the game made for the opposite human being of me <laughs> like if the person that game is made for and i ever meet in person like the universe will explode like antimatter and matter coming to contact <laughs> oh man sheer uh, in the card sheer in the collectible card game sheer in the card shark get out randomly generated deck with randomly out. generated get rules <laughs> and randomly generated cards. <laughs> yeah, you get to... No, I want it to be themed around like one of those collectible card games from the 90s that no one remembers happened because like they were, were really bad ideas that made no sense based on a property that never had any reason to be a card game like Austin Powers. Oh, man. Oh, bl Blood Wars. <laughs> what? That's not... It was not a card wrong. game based around the... um, What was it? Planescape? campaign setting for D&D that took place in the different planes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm done with this. I'm moving on. Okay. Like, we, we'll never discuss this <laughs> again because you're trying to kill me. Okay. Uh, uh, got another one. Why is it that wars in space haven't been a popular topic for RPGs? It seems like every spacefaring RPG sticks to planetary exploration instead of sticking to the far reach of the space things like combat between ships as well as boarding actions like, like on enemy ships or outposts could easily provide enough interesting variation to keep the game totally in space. Maybe a planetary invasion but with that uh, not being the end-all be-all of the game. I feel like the issue you run into is that that swiftly moves you into performing actions that aren't really things you think of as being RPG staples. Yeah. Like you, The more you move into that, the more you move into like oh, that's a 4X game. Pretty like, much. Like, you, you let that continue and, like... Like, RPGs end up taking this, like, planet-bound story for the same reason that Star Trek always takes them to, like, an individual planet. Because, like, the idea is, like... In order to tell a character-based story, you pretty much have to ground it somewhere. Yeah. Like, when you get into, like, this ship boarded this ship, it becomes less about the individual actors and more about the broad strokes of what is going on. And RPGs aren't really built for that. Like, the the types of stories they can easily tell tend to require like, primary characters and secondary characters and specific protagonists and antagonists. Like, the more you move away from that, the less you have what feels like an RPG and the more you're move, moving into like a strategy game. Yeah, and I think you're also dealing with a lot of uh, probably veteran developers that are going with what they know 
and what they know is not a forex game. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Because those are really like, hard to develop. Yeah, but they they require a very specific form of expertise. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, we probably both want the game he's describing, but not sure it's exactly in the cards. Like, I would love a I, more I RPG-ish like, version of Master of Orion. You wanna you wanna go more RPG Star Control? I don't think I've ever actually played Star Control. Star Control is wander around. It's like I tried playing. Star Control 2 and got just intensely confused for just hours um, <laughs> and then just gave up because like I had no context for how that game was supposed to work at all uh, uh, but like well, hey, my, it's one of those my strategy yeah. in Master of the Rhine 2 was um, I have no idea what I'm doing so I'm just going to mess around and see what happens which did that not go well yeah. but yeah it's like Uh, like, like that's it, it is interesting to me to like think about like what kind of stories are what we think of as RPGs really equipped to deal with. Yeah, and like that reliance on a core cadre of characters makes these sort of broad strokes, broad stories of entire kingdoms and countries and planets, like and the machinations of entire militaries, very difficult for them to, to address in any real fashion. Because there's this expectation of the player character being directly involved with things that happen, and like, so like the other thing that I think of when I think about this is like, it makes me think of like Sid Meier's Pirates, like where you're wandering around and like you can, you know, go to different places to like trade and all that sort of thing. Where it's it's again, it's like it's not quite Pirates isn't quite a 4x game, although by virtue of being a Sid Meier game, it's flirting closely with that line. Yeah. But like you know, you wander around, and you have objectives that will advance a core story, but like that core, core story is kept very vague because it's like it, by the time you start introducing those elements, like it do- doesn't feel like an RPG. Like it, it feels like stretch game. Yeah, I think the closest thing I've played to this is the Escape Velocity series, which is like uh, so it's kind of like a 2D space shooter, but you travel around the galaxy trading, completing missions. You can buy bigger ships, upgrade weapons, things like that. Uh, it has a general story. And I think you, you could conquer planets and buy, like, fleets of ships and things like that. So it was it's actually pretty close to this, but uh, not, a, not completely. Because they, they didn't have, like, a lot of characters or anything like that. It's kind of general story. Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of the thing, is that, like, you know, something as broad as even just, like, you know, giant... Like, if you're doing a boarding action, like, it's probably not something that, like, you, you do... In, like, doing it on an individual level makes it, like, a remote set piece. But, like, if it's your primary mode of interacting with the game, it's, like, fighting other enemy... Like, fighting enemy ships and going into deep space and, like, that sort of thing. If you're not really focusing on planet-side action... Like, your core method of exploring the game becomes either, like, if you're going for a traditional RPG approach, the only place you can explore is your own ship. Yeah. And if you're going for, an, like, 
once you move out of that mode, when you move into like, okay, your ship is the actor, not any individual upon it, then again, you start moving into that sort of like, okay, I don't really identify with a specific character, and my actions have sort of broader like it immediately scales out what how you perceive those actions, and that's really fascinating to me to think about because like every, the more I think think about this, it's more like okay, I can't really couch this metaphor in a way that's character driven, and like that's how RPGs are for good and for ill for the most part. Yeah. So you just you just end up with like this like. You probably could do it if you were a smarter, more creative person than I am, and like that's not hard, but still. But like it becomes like, what what do you want this game to do? Like, do you want to instill the exploration of deep space? That's going to involve a lot of planet side action because when you find something, and if your point is exploration, you're going to go look at what you found. If your point is like, you know, the the actions of how this ship changed the galaxy then it becomes like you know, like you're going to get into these more character-based interactions and these characters are going to do a lot of things, but a lot of what changes the galaxy isn't going to be just you know, dicking around in space and boarding someone's ship and then blowing them to hell. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's interesting to see like these, these gameplay elements become, and realize how they can oppose a plot element, like a they element, or just, like, the kind of fun you are aiming for with the game. Video games are hard, and thematic, like, resonance between gameplay and plot and character and system design is difficult, and getting them all to play nice is hard. Very, very hard. <laughs> That's why we have delays, and Cancelled games and games that are come come out and are poop. It's hard to do. So, always praise anyone that can consistently make awesome games. Anything else? Yeah, that's that's basically like I said my piece. Like that was what. What I was thinking when I saw this question, and I was like, that is an interesting question. Like, how would you go about that? And I yeah. mulled it over for a while, and I was like, I can't really think of how you would. Yeah. Uh, Definitely feel free to correct me if you can think of something, because... I uh, cannot, and, you know, I think the end result of this is many uh, Star Ocean games exactly how they came out. So yeah, like like it, it, doing this lens perspective to how Star Ocean became the games that they are, or it's like making a bunch of planet assets is kind of expensive. If one planet has a lot of stuff on it, there's like at least this continuum of like it's okay to reuse a texture because it's all the same planet. Yeah. Um. And then like you know. Pairing it down to one or two planets makes it fairly easy to write a plot about it because everything is logically related and yeah. Yep. Star Ocean. Star Ocean. Integrity and Faithfulness was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I need to play some more of that, but I want to finish a different sci-fi RPG first in Xenosaga X. 
Alright, so, um, let's take another musical break. And we'll move on to the last few questions. Dayman! Ah, fighter of the night, man! Ah, champion of the sun! Ah, you're a master of karate and friendship for everyone! Alright, moving on. Next question is, are you guys feeling the hype for Yokai Watch 2? I've been getting more and more excited as we get closer to the, closer to the release date. I really enjoyed the first one, but felt like there were certain things that could use improvement. Some of the areas where, where you search for Yokai were harder than others, making the attempt to them... making the attempt to them enough to b battle frustrating. Uh, did I read that right? Let uh, look at them. Search for Yokai were harder than those, making the attempt to them enough to battle frustrating. Uh, there's also the complete randomness in catching Yokai. Even when you feed them their favorite food, it still took a lot of attempts to catch certain Yokai. And they're only available at certain certain areas and certain in-game times, especially if it's a rare spawn. It was aggravating to try and get all the little guys. I've heard it basically improves on everything, so I have high hopes for the Yokai Watch 2 games. What are you hoping will be in this one? Any improvements you want or any particular features, you might get to purchase one or both of the versions. Uh, so I think I mostly have We also will purchase both because he is an OCD madman. I, I am not going to purchase both. I do not buy. I don't think I've ever bought two of one Pokemon game. Uh, I have great restraint when the only difference between version is oh, this one has random Pokemon or whatever is in it. So I think I think I'm doing good here. I've I so far I have resisted even ordering that awesome Pokemon Sun Moon Steelbook that contains both games. You're gonna do it. Um, no, no, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm just gonna. So in in Europe they have steel books for individual ones. So I'm just gonna try and import one of the steel books, the steel book for Moon. That'll get around that. So, uh, uh, do I have to solo this I, question since you didn't really you like kind, what you played? You kind of have to. Like, I admit, I, I'm gonna like say, explain why you have to solo this question because okay. I admit that. Like, my experience with Yokai Watch is intensely unfair. Like, I played the demo, and I got to a battle, and I said, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I understand that that battle is fu system is functional, and it makes perfect sense for kids who are, like, used to sort of, like, semi-automated cell phone-style RPG experiences 
and like you know it's 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 quick and it's uh flashy and it works and like there's no reason mechanically why it should change and i hate it um, <laughs> yeah it's definitely not for everyone that, that's one of those things where it's just sort of like sometimes you have to accept that a game just like even though there's nothing really wrong with it that the game just isn't for you and like for me like yokai watch most level five games really are just not for me they, their design style other than dragon quest which thanks on our project aka yuji hori pretending to be a company uh, um like <laughs> uh like level five's games just don't really do much for me and yokai watch is a continuer of that proud tradition like i i like I got to that battle system, and I'm like, I can't play a game that has me doing this for battles for 20, 30 hours. Like, it's, it's not for me. You know, it's funny. Maybe, that... maybe I'll get suckered into a later one, and maybe I'll find something to love that makes me look past that. Yeah, it's funny you mention that, because that's kind of the reaction I had to trying to play a, uh Inazuma 11 game. It was like, oh, oh, it's all stylus-controlled soccer. Uh, nope. Blitzball! No, pass uh, but yeah I, I've played some games like that too where it's just like uh, there's nothing terribly wrong with this but I don't want anything to do with this I think that was my reaction to uh, trying Infinite Space uh, yeah yes. I saw Infinite Space which hey speaking of our last uh, the last thing we were discussing yeah there you go Synergy <laughs> yeah, that also didn't re- like. I could never get a real read on whether is that, that an RPG or a strategy game. Yeah, Both. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but surprisingly, Yokai Watch is just like I. What I wanted was like, base. I guess basically breezier, fun, goofy Pokemon, and so it kind of just works for me. Uh, I'm not gonna say I love the battle system. Like if if you don't. If you've never played the Gilkai Watch battle system, what it is is basically um, your your Yokai auto attack. Um, you kind of have six set in like this watch thing, and you can kind of ro- yeah, rotate and you, them like, around. Yeah, and spin it. And, yeah. Uh, so you can kind of ro- rotate out uh, those that have already used their super attack uh, or are injured. So there's some strategy to that, and the big thing is when you're going to use the special attack for one of the yokai is you basically have to complete some kind of simple mini game like uh, spin a wheel, spin this wheel, or hit a bunch of uh, little uh, like orange tokens as they fly by. And what's the other one? Trace symbols, um, which you can do with the stylus. Or thankfully for me, otherwise I probably wouldn't be playing this. Uh, you can also use just buttons and the thumbstick. Yeah, um, but it, it was a—it's such a weird system the first time you see it too. It's just it like, really is, yeah. And it kind of, kind of throws a lot at you at once. Like, so you can target, and so the, the, what I really like about this is when you have to do a boss battle with this, because uh, obviously they already do a lot of damage, so you actually have to like watch HP meters, use healing items. Uh, so it's kind of paying attention to a lot. So in in those instances, I think the battle system shines, whereas in random battles, it's a little more haphazard. I don't even necessarily want to say random battles, like when you're trying to capture yokai or are in some of the quote-unquote dungeon-type areas. 
but yeah, the boss battles are really fun. And generally, you have to find some weak point, and then you have to try and target it. And the targeting actually makes you like move a little cursor, either with the stylus or the thumbstick, to actually target it. So it's it's interesting, and like I said, it's appealing to me because uh, I was looking for something pretty light, and I'm not really going to be drawn into the collection aspect of this because I think uh, most of the yokai are like unsettling looking. <laughs> I don't know if that's just me. Well, it's supposed to be. I mean, like if you go back and look at yeah. legends that indicate the origins of these yokai, a lot of times they're and and also they eat humans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of them are, are like so. One of them is like a what I would describe as a mini grandmother who makes people you know, blurt out whatever's on their mind, but it's just like, I don't want to try and capture one of those. <laughs> I, I want as little to do with you as possible. Yes, it's not like, ooh, I finally got a Charizard. Um, it's like, oh, I got this umbrella. Woo. <laughs> yeah, so I basically have the first six yokai I got, and I'll probably, you know, as you go along, you're going to catch some just through the progression of the game, so I'm sure I'll find some more interesting ones to swap in. Uh, but, yeah. All I of my yokai knowledge comes from Gegege no Kitara. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. I don't know uh, if I want to ask. No, it's actually... It's, that's it. Yokai Watch can probably trace a lot of direct lineage to Gegege no Kitara. It's what? Uh, Gegege no... Uh, it can tra probably trace a lot of lineage to Gegege no Kitara. Is that like a manga? Anime? Yeah, it's a manga from like the 60s. Like, oh, uh, it was written by a, got a veteran of World War II who, who lost an arm in that. He, was, he threw that one-handed. Um, but Kitaro was like, it was very instrumental in keeping like traditional yokai folklore into popular consciousness and like it starred like this yokai child named Kitaro and his like cadre of weird demons that you know they were all like weird and based on the old Japanese legends but you know the art style inherently sort of cutesified them like look it up you will you will see lineage hmm. Kitaro is, is very interesting it, it's also it's also like really neat like it's been translated Handfuls of it have been translated into English. Not a lot, but some. It's worth looking at. I will definitely have to check that out. Uh, but yeah, I've also been watching the anime a bit with my son. So, so <laughs> you sent fun. me the opening to that to that the anime's opening, and yeah. the first thing I could think was, "Oh wow, the dub One Piece, uh, the dub One Piece theme song finally has competition." <laughs> <laughs> the part where it started rapping at me, I was lost. Well, the uh, funny, th the funny thing about that is, uh, in like the regular, sh that normally doesn't show up in episodes. Yeah, I'd like imagine it's... like just for the sake of advertising time, yeah. like they don't aren't going to play the all decks. That was like yeah. two minutes. <laughs> yeah, the show is it's not amazing or anything, but it's goofy it's and Pokemon. fun. Yeah, it's fun. Like, it's it's not supposed to be amazing. Like it's, it reminds it reminds you of the warm feelings you have about the game. Game introduces you to yokai you might have missed, and just generally serves as a pleasant advertisement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That reminds me. Of the first time I saw the Pokemon anime, how it like opens with the 
intro to the Game Boy game and then kind of pans out into a full animated thing. I always thought that was yeah. spectacular. Like, the, the concept of, like, the anime, like, uh, I will admit, I think that it had more meaning for an old, old for, the, for a game of that time, just because, like, it was like, oh, look at this much more detailed version of the world. Look at, and, like, it really influenced your idea of what the world of the game was supposed to look like, whereas with the Yokai Watch anime, it can look it, like it, it and the game are designed to mirror each other's aesthetic as closely as possible. Right. So, like... And it's a really good-looking game. That really helps. Yeah, like, it's, it's a very... Like, level 5, we're always technical wizards. It's a very good-looking 3DS game. Yeah, dev- probably one of the best-looking games on the system, to be honest. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's, like... I, I will admit to thinking that, like, Pokemon was meant more for that phenomenon just because, like... It was a way to sort of like bridge the gap between your imagination of what the game was and what like the game looked like. You had that sort of anime to act as a bridge to yeah. like ground your idea of like, oh, this is what that looks like in a true, realized sense. And honestly, I think that's the first like TV show that really did that because you know you think about some of the previous ones that you know the, like the Mario shows and the Zelda shows really weren't that great, like. And this the, one, there was no real attempt to keep them in spirit with it, the sh- it, with the game. Exactly. So yeah, Pokemon was the first one where it's like, oh, I'm actually looking, I'm looking at the game world I'm playing. Yeah, like this, there is a real, a very real attempt to keep this on model with what the official art for the game looks like. Yeah. And like, so it becomes, and like, you know, le- you you never get enough of a sense of the lay of the land to say like, oh. Well, that's exactly like the game, but at the same time, it's it's like, oh, I can guess what that area, like, how that represents the game, and, like, it sort of feels right. Right. Whereas, like, with with Mario, like, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and why are they ta- why it's live-action Mario talking to Roddy Piper? Why and... can Toad take his the mushroom part of his head off? Oh, that's really upsetting. That's super upsetting. <laughs> Like, what's more upsetting? Like, that or the, the part of the Super Mario Brothers movie where they meet Toad and he's, like, this protest songwriter who gets de-evolved into a, like, like IQ of ten, like, frickin' uh, lizard man. And then no one tries to fix him, even though they have an evolution ray. <laughs> yeah, the movie's it's always worse. The movie is always that worse. movie is a, that movie is amazing. That movie is my favorite bad movie. <laughs> I think the last time uh, I I really tried to watch it, I fell asleep. I watched that and I laughed throughout the entire thing. Such a crazy, <laughs> like such a crazy person's look at like, oh man, Mario, what's that? Oh, dystopian future about like no, a dystopian alternate present where dinosaurs never were destroyed because. Meteors split dimensions, producing this like crazy like hell world where like <laughs> dinosaur people are being oppressed by the evil dinosaur king who has de-evolved his primary competition, which apparently evolved from fungus. <laughs> I love this Mario uh, Brothers movie. It's completely crazy. Oh my god! Um, but like, like that's completely crazy and looks nothing like the games. The Super Mario World cartoon has like weird cavemen wa- wandering around Mario, it. Super Mario, Super Mario, Super Mario World. 
Like the Super Mario World. Remember how Yoshi talked in that, and he has the worst voice in human oh history. Oh my god! Mario. Yeah. Yeah, I was so excited. I I bought the DVDs for for that. I was like, oh sweet, I can watch you know the show with my son, and started watching it. I was like, this show. I don't want my is, son to see that. Yeah, I don't want him to watch this because this is like the worst show. <laughs> Like that was, that was oh man, it's it's such a bad show. It's like, really one really my, bad. One of my favorite things on Legend of Localiza- Legends of Localization was uh, that uh, Clyde Mandolin he, he like translated a bunch of Japanese reactions to the Super Mario Brothers movie, <laughs> like coming out on DVD or something. Like it was like the most recent time that it had been in the news, and he like looked up some reactions and translated them and like, there are people that are like yeah they had like mario and zelda anime there that we never got i wonder what they're like and it's just it's like oh well that's uh well i hope you never actually have to see them Ooh. it's even weirder to think because there are bad video game cartoons that got dubbed into japanese there are japanese dubs of the donkey Kong country cartoon oh god I don't and I say that having seen that. You know, I don't. I don't think I've seen very much, if any at all, of the Donkey Kong cartoon. I like. It is so bad, and it's so hideous, and it's a musical. Oh God! That's what? Why? <laughs> there is at least one full-blown song in every episode. That's frightening. And like sometimes more than one, and so you get like Donkey. Donkey Kong, like, gets hit in the head. So, like, they have the dumb cartoon plots where, like, oh, Donkey Kong got hit in the head, and and now he thinks that he is a crocodile because someone showed him a fake mirror. And then, like, he starts singing, and it's just, like, this two-minute song about how, quote-unquote, my reflection tells the story of a pirate's life of glory. Trust my eyes, the mirror never lies. And it's so bad on every level. It's amazing. Like, you cannot bring yourself to imagine that someone made this. And, like, the Donkey Kong Country cartoon still looks more like Donkey Kong than, say, Sonic Underground looks like Sonic. And we went really far afield on this. But I just needed to rant about, like, how, how, much, how interesting it is that video game cartoons now actually look like the games they're based on. Yeah. It's like, if you ever seen Sonic Underground, you wonder why Sonic Underground happened. Have you ever seen that one, Wheels? Sonic Underground? No. I've, I know what it is. That's about all I can say. I don't think I've ever yeah, seen so, any of so, it. So we are now on Sonic cartoon number five. Think about that. But yeah, so you had Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog and Saturday Morning Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, which was not the same program. And you also had... Uh, Sonic Underground a few years later, which was about Sonic and his two awful recolor siblings who were in a band. Hmm. It's, it's, yeah, you know, your favorite Sonic characters, Manic and Sonya. Hmm. Those are all real. Um, yeah, don't watch Sonic cartoons that aren't Sonic Boom. Yeah, Sonic Boom is awesome. And it's the only one you should watch. Yeah, like, that. those are enough other in the long line of like, not, all of those uniquely look nothing like the game. That's yeah. what's fascinating. 
they all don't like none of them looked like the game but none of them can agree on how they should like the game <laughs> like sonic adventures of sonic the hedgehog like the com- the comedic one is like weird indiscriminate blobs of color and random like road runner scenery like well the saturday the, morning the saturday one morning it, it it at least was like weird cyberpunk it well it resembles the uh, Archie comic. Yeah, that's which, not a great thing to resemble. Shots yeah, fired. I, I, um, well, I read those a lot as a kid. I'm ashamed to admit. So. Well, like the yeah, like Sega of America had like a weird Bible of what Sonic was supposed to look like in American authorized adaptations, and it sure doesn't look like the game. Nope. At all. Like the games were the games are surreal looking, but in a weird like oh look at all that checkerboard dirt what is going on um as opposed to like yeah all these are weird i don't even remember what sonic underground looks like because i think i saw it once and hated every second of the life that had led up to it and and yeah and then you get sonic x which is in line with sega's canon but still doesn't look anything like sonic (laughs) like i suppose it it more closely resembles adventure which was uh like of the time that it was coming out. So, like, that one can be forgiven, even if it still doesn't look anything like the Genesis games. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, we got Sonic Boom, game. and they were like, yeah, we'll just make specific Sonic Boom games. So there you go. Yeah. But, let's see. Yeah, so, yeah, okay, watch. It's, yeah. Like, the the new game... It's probably like I I want to guess I, I'm going to guess that Yokai Watch 2 is where it really went from being, like, popular to a phenomenon... So, like, you, you're probably safe in assuming that it's fixed a lot of your issues with, like, just friend, user-friendliness. Yeah. And, you know, I know the franchise is really, like, this is laser-targeted at making bundles of money on children, but yeah, Level 5 has some experience in that, so the result is actually a pretty fun fan- franchise, I think. Yeah, I think I've made this joke before that, like, in 2006 or so, Square was like, yeah, we're going to make polymorphic content. And then Level 5 was like, yeah, let's do that. And Square was like, wait, how do we do that? <laughs> and Level 5 was like, what? We just released eight um, Inazuma 11 we games. We released like eight Inazuma 11 games. What happens when they hit Inazuma 11 11? Um, <laughs> I think they already have. But, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, like eight Inazuma 11 games and like three animes and a movie and probably another movie. Oh, I know that God. there's at least one, probably two Yokai Watch movies. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, well, that's uh, like they they really they have this down to a science. Like they're very good. Like they're very like they're not for me, and I have to I I can accept that. Like these games aren't for me, and so the fact that I don't like this battle system means less than nothing because it was never meant to appeal to me and if it had appealed to me like well that's a nice bonus presuming it still appeals to children but that doesn't really matter and yeah. that's fine yeah but yeah like mm. it's I, I hope that maybe one day like one of the future ones I'll be like okay I can deal with the battle system enough because the rest of this is charming but we'll see yeah and I hope the series is doing well here it's you know I see the the exactly. merchandise it's doing that badly because they green lighted too really quickly. 
And I mean, the merchandise is all over the place. Uh, I and the, I mean, the first game came out a while ago, so I don't think they would have kept going if the first pass didn't do well. So yeah. I would imagine that they still think there's room for growth, but at the same time, like, it can't be doing that badly, or you would, like, see that stuff get put on clearance, or, like, the anim- like the anime would get busted down to, like, the worst time slot imaginable and disappear. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. You would see the signs of, okay, maybe we don't want to keep pouring money into this, because it's really expensive to localize all that content at once and convince every store in the world to stock it. Yeah. And I'm sure sales of the game are helped by people like me that just play random yes. Japanese nonsense. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, the the uh, the show, I guess, is on Disney XD, so that's probably yeah. a good sign. That is laser targeted at the demographic they're going for, which is 10-year-old boys. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so Yokai, pretty, pretty fun. Um, I think his other question there was, is there any thing that would make me get both versions and really the answer there for me is pretty much always there has to be major differences between the two like not not necessarily something to the level of two completely separate games like um, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons but differences other than like I'm not going to catch all the yokai so I don't care if the difference is they have different yokai like you'll just find the version that has like the yokai that you like the most. Yeah. And you're gonna you can or play that one. Really, it's gonna be I'll pick whichever one has the one that looks cool on the cover. Yeah. That that tends to historically be what causes people to buy Pokemon games. Like what has the most popular cover yeah. uh, mo- monster on it? Uh. Like red outsold blue, silver outsold gold because they were they had just released a movie about how. Uh, about Lugia, um, <laughs> I have no idea whether like how how the sales breakdown is for uh, Ruby and Sapphire, but I'm almost certain Dialga's Diamond version outsold Palkia's Pearl version, and uh, Blackout sold White, and no idea on actually. Oh, that reminds me this so slightly random aside that I'm going to go into anyway because I was actually thinking about this. Uh, the whole deal with um, the original po- Pokemon game was uh, red and green in Japan and then they released it as red and blue in the US. Do you know any of the reasons behind that? Oh, uh, basically like so you had red and uh, green in Japan and then you had blue version because uh, Pokemon, like, like, Blue Version was the original third version. Like, you know, the, the equivalent of Crystal to Gold and Silver. Okay. Like, and, and Blue Version fixed some bugs, and it redid most of the sprites, because Pokemon had a really long torture development cycle. It started development in, like, 1990 and come out until 1996, which, oh, for a Game Boy game, is absurd. Like, yeah. absolutely crazy. Like... Uh, it, it was a long time in gestation. Like it has the marks to show it, because like it's a super buggy game that was obviously made as they had money between projects. Um, but like uh, they released Blue as like an updated version that fixed some bugs and, and added some new uh, and 
have read most of the sprites, and just generally was the improved version. And then in the West, blue version is the base for red and blue in the West. It's just they took the Pokemon list from red and green and, uh, like, put those in there. Like, so our red version is blue version, but with red's Pokemon on list. And our blue version is blue version, but with green's Pokemon list. As for why they switched from, uh, like, red and green to red and blue, like, I don't think that information has ever specifically come out other than probably some market research saying more kids like blue than green. Yeah, sounds about right. Like, it was probably something real vague like that. Or may, maybe just, uh, like, uh... Or just, like, market research about what kids like most, like, between... Uh, Charizard, Venusaur, and Blastoise. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe Venusaur, like the planty design, they didn't think would be very appealing. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I, I remember once reading that, like, there was a point where, like, there was concern for Nintendo of America about just redesigning a bunch of the Pokemon to try to make them less extreme, try to make them more what you would traditionally sell to Americans, more extreme, more dangerous looking. Right. And like, apparently, it was like. A Yamauchi choice, like, no, you're not doing that. Like, we are going to at least attempt to export this as it is. And, like, that made sense, because over the long term, if it succeeded, like, that pro choice was going to get more and more expensive. Right. But it was one of those things where, like, there was obviously a lot of money poor. Like, you know, Pokemon launched in America in, like, 1998. It launched in Japan in, like, 1996. A lot yeah. of market research probably went in into launching that in the U.S., Oh, I'm sure. Just because it's like it's such an ex expensive idea to like, can can this bring the return on investment that we need? It's such an expensive idea to tr yeah yeah yeah. But that's also in case you're curious, like that's also where some of the translation errors in Pokemon Red and Blue come from. There is infamously like a trade where I want to say it's like it's like uh, you you trade something that doesn't evolve evolve and like the guy's like oh man that thing. You you traded me, went and evolved. And, like, that made perfect sense in Japanese where you traded him, like, a Machoke for a, uh, for a Kadabra. Right. And so, like, it was just like, oh, that's a trade evolution. But in in English, it, like, produced this strange incongruity where people were like, that Pokemon doesn't evolve. That's not how that works. What? Is there something I haven't found out? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting idiosyncrasies about our experience of Pokemon versus Japan's experience of Pokemon are explained away by understanding how that weird dynamic that happened, up to and including the fact that, like, the, uh, the, the way that, like, the yellow version is treated as, like, this weird stepchild, because, <laughs> well, it kind of is, because, like, yeah. the remakes base themselves essentially on blue version and ignore yellow version, because blue version was the proper third version yellow was like the special oh here's a cute gimmick version not the real third version yeah well I actually, that's actually the one I downloaded on virtual console just for the fact that it's actually in color <laughs> yeah yeah having like extra like actual dual mode working with the Game Boy Color was nice yeah I just remember having gold and silver cartridges and them being spangled <laughs> Oh, Pokemon. I didn't even realize it had started development that early, but I mean, I guess if they weren't 
fully working on it nonstop, a game that complicated is going to take a long time. Yeah, Game Freak, uh, like Game Freak, did a lot of work at that point that like no one remembers, like Shockman and stuff. Uh, like Game Freak's history is actually completely fascinating, but uh, topic for another time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely worth hearing at some point. Uh, but yeah, like I'm not an expert on it. Don't don't even try asking because I'd have to go like I'd just end up regurgitating a bunch of articles that you, <laughs> you don't want. Um, not right. that I ever do anything else, but still. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should move on. I think. But, I, I really wanted to go on that tangent, though, because that's actually something I had been thinking about pretty recently, and a topic I think a lot of people, I'm sure, were curious about. So, um, yeah, move on from Yokai as I still try and figure out if I'm buying uh, fleshy, fleshy, fleshy souls or bony spirits. I really have no idea. Why do I know that? I'm not buying either of them, and I know both of their version <laughs> names. I'm terrible. Well, which um, which one am I buying, man? Bony Spirits? Well, Bony Spirits does have bones in it. Well, then I should you know not... What would... Yeah, th- which is why I should not buy it. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> moving on. I can't have even really been... go by the have cover, because there... it's like the same cover with just the characters in different positions. <laughs> They're trying to make it harder on you. You'll have to buy both. Um... No! No, okay. I'm not buying okay. both. You monster. Okay. Have there been any games you didn't enjoy but later gave a second chance and ended up liking it? Buddha, uh, f- uh, that was from Budai. And then Lol Whoops added, and then the reverse of that, has there been any games that you liked until you went back to play it a second time? Preferably not an old old title because some of them didn't age well. But something you expected to hold up a lot better replay than it, on replay than it did. For me, it's Lunar our superstar. I loved it when I first played it, but replayed that my nostalgia right away into nothingness. I'm not even sure why I didn't like it the second time. Well, uh, <laughs> speak of the devil and he shall appear. Um, yeah, well, I didn't actually expect to like Lunar Superstar that much. It was a fascinating historical piece, because, like, you see uh, what happens when a developer of a remake decides that, like, they really don't care for a lot of the design choices they made in the past, and they want to change things. And so you get a game that really feels like a much a very reconsidered, much more reconsidered, much more mature in terms of how its game design was thought of title than its predecessor. And uh, Silver Star Story Complete is amazing. Silver Star uh, Story Complete absolutely holds up. So like that doesn't count. But as for for games that I've gone back to play that I didn't like the first time, I'm like it's really hard for me to think of RPGs where I'm willing to do that. Yeah. Because RPGs are so long. Like, if I decided after, after 30 hours that I hated this RPG, I'm not going to play it again for, <laughs> for the most part. Like, it was more common when I was a kid. And, and like, okay, I've got this, and I don't have any chance of getting anything new for a while. i got to buckle down and learn to like this. And... Well, like, I think the most I could say before would be, like, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne the first time I played, I didn't really enjoy that much. It's still not my favorite Megaten. It's very well put together, but like it just it doesn't appeal to me in the way a lot of the other ones do. But like Nocturne would be one. And the, the flip side to the question is, uh, if you've ever heard me rant about Final Fantasy X, <laughs> for the first about nine years that it was out, I loved FF10. Then I played it again. 
and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I don't even, like, it was just one of those games where, like, I realized upon replaying it that, like, the more I tried to make sense of, like, how its world worked, the less sense that its world made. And, like, the actual gameplay is very built around, like, you have this, like, skill at this point and like i know people have beaten it without ever opening the sphere grid but that's a really tedious way to play the game to begin with yeah like like i don't i don't really see that as like oh that's you know that's how you like that, that means that the game has a lot of uh malleability to it and it's like no it like you have riku's mix is broken because that's what alchemists in final fantasy do but like the actual like ways the the way the game is meant to be played is really really set in stone. If you don't have X ability at Y boss, the correct solution is grind until you do, because you're supposed to have it. <laughs> like, like, especially... It becomes really obvious things like Heska at the third Seymour fight. If you don't have that, he has too many turns, and he, he has too many quick ways to destroy an entire party. If you don't have that, like, you're not supposed to be able to finish that fight. And you can, so really degenerate means like using aeon overdrives over and over and over but like it's not a fun way to play the game like it, the game has no real leeway the plot is kind of sloppy i like a lot of the characters but like coming away from it like it's just it wasn't a positive experience to play a second time and like uh, it was a it was a hard game to look back at i i don't even know how to sort my feelings yeah. At this point, other than to say mostly negative. I mean, what I could say is, I almost feel like they they should, should should have just gotten rid of the sphere grid and just made it like complete linear progression because that would have like the sphere grid really doesn't offer yeah, anything. It's bad. Like I, I what it gives you is it gives you this the idea that you can switch paths, but right. if you ever do, you're just screwing yourself over because everyone has a clear idea of what they're supposed to be able to do. And when they can't do it, like you just make you just make the certain parts of the game impossible. Pretty much, and that was my experience like with the original game. Is I had characters I kept on the the, the expected path, and the the ones that I moved off that were terrible, and I didn't use. <laughs> yeah, like like ask anyone who played FF10, how much did you use Kamari? You didn't because he has no. There's no job for him. Yeah. Like there there is nothing that Kamari does that someone else doesn't do better. So why like. In, like, Kimari is the issues of that game, like, writ large. Like, he has no real place in the plot. Like, they, they kill off the Ronso as a tribe, essentially right near the end, just sort of to prove that the Guado have gone off the deep end. Like, he has no real place in the story. Like, he's in, like he's been with Yuna protecting her for a long time. Why? I don't know. The game doesn't really care. His his one like character focus fight is it, the most thing you can say about it is well if you got broke him into Riku's grid he can steal a lot of level three D spheres, um, but like essentially and and what makes it worse is like the the mocking fact that eventually if you decide you want to do the bonus bosses don't do the bonus bosses they're all awful <laughs> like you have to send everyone through every part of the sphere grid. Because, like, you just, you, you don't have a choice at that point. Like, if you want to stand up to any of the bonus content in the game, you are going to have to have 
everyone at stats they cannot get through, without going through essentially the entire grid. Nice. By, so, nice, yeah. by nice, I mean the other thing. Yeah, it's it's like it's a game that yeah. But as for game, like I'm trying to think of another game where like I didn't like it at first, and then like I picked it up, and like I feel like maybe the Saga series as a whole might be that. Like it was one of those things where like I couldn't really understand them. Like they they were so weird. I was you know I picked up Saga Frontier because I was a big fan of Square RPGs, and I start playing it, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And then, you know, well, I don't have anything else to play. I might as well play as the robot now. <laughs> okay, well, that's weird and different and doesn't play anything like when I'm playing as Red, who's a superhero, and that's cool. I like that. But also, if I go into superhero form, the game becomes impossible. Like, it, it's such a weird game. And, like, that's that's just sort of how Saga ends up working. Like, you either you have it long enough to force yourself to understand what it was attempting, yeah. or you just play it once and are like, what the hell was that? Why would I ever play that again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, saga. I would say, oh, I had the same experience, but I really didn't, because I played the heck out of the first one and enjoyed my time. I've gone back and enjoyed my time, so yeah. it's not really a play. You got any? Uh, but do you have any that are like this for either? I do. I actually have a whole series where I went back and finally appreciated it, and that's the Pokemon series. And I, th- I think we've had this discussion in the past where I played way, way too much of the original. Yeah. And caught them all. And then... And that's an unhealthy thing to do. Yeah. So after that madness, uh, every game, every Pokemon game I played after that, I could not get into. And I tried them, pretty much all of them. And it just took years to, to kind of keep going back and keep trying and eventually kind of Pokemon Go gave me, got me going, and, and basically the whole thing is just had to find a way to enjoy them. And for me, that's kind of just not trying to go too deep into things, just having fun, um, almost keeping things a little under leveled so some of the gym fights and stuff are challenging. That makes them more entertaining for me. But just yeah, just not worrying about any sort, any sort of collecting whatsoever. Like get Pokemon that look neat to you. Yeah, exactly. You You know, and if the inspiration strikes me, like oh, I want such and such, you know, I'm sure I'll be cool tracking those ones down. But for the most part, you know, just going through and having some fun. And you know, I'm starting to get close to the the end of X and still enjoying it. So, and obviously that kind of pivoted into playing Yokai Watch. So finally back on track there and enjoying the Pokemon series. So I've been kind of picking up a few of the older games I was missing uh, to go back to eventually because I'd like to, you know, I want to play Black and White and uh, Heart Gold because I never really played the original uh, Gold and Silver for Game Boy and I don't think I'm going to be able to play the original version of, of those Yeah, I, at this point. I can't recommend that. Uh, so yeah, play the remake of that, play Platinum, and we'll see how it goes. So maybe I'll write something up about that as I go through. I, I thought of another one that's, that's more as a series, uh, and that's uh, Yakuza. Ah, which nice. Uh, li- listeners of this podcast may know that I am a big Yakuza fan, big booster that franchise, and very jealous that I was never on either of the backtracks for Yakuza. 
<laughs> but uh, uh, when I first I I picked I was excited for Yakuza before it came out when they announced it in Japan as Ryuga Gotoku, and like when they announced that it was coming to the U.S. and then I played the English version, and I was like, "This is garbage," and. Yakuza 1 is really rough around the edges. I can't really completely retract the argument that it's kind of garbage. But at the, the same time, like, I, I reconsidered the franchise, I guess, when I played Yakuza 2, which I picked up just because I was like, oh, wow, this came out, like, three years ago in Japan, and it's going to be one of the last major PS2 titles. I'll pick that up. <laughs> and Yakuza 2 is really good. Like, such a sharp step up from its predecessor. And that's partially because they didn't dub it. Because the dub in the first one's really, really awful. The only good part of the Yakuza 1 dub is Goro Majima being played by Mark Hamill. But, but every, everything else is trash. And you can... What's even better is you can hear that dub going down in, in budget as it goes on. Like, by the last time, <laughs> sounds like they're getting maybe three takes on each, each line. Because it's like we had three takes and this was the best one like half the lines sound like they're being stumbled over they, they really <laughs> sound awful um well really i really hope that given the setting it seems like one of the rare exceptions where it's totally fine not to have a dub yeah no like it it, it feels right that it be in japanese yeah like more so even than something like persona where like you're a japanese school child because the school children experience is sort of like, it's being tapped into for universal pathos and, like, association. Like, that, like, oh, yeah, people, everyone either, you know, everyone playing that either is a high schooler or remembers being a high schooler. And so it doesn't really need to be Japanese. It's, it, it, like, there are things about it that are very uniquely Japanese high, high school, but you remember sort of, like, that feeling of being a teenager and these people feel like teenagers. Right. But with Yakuza, it's, like, it's very specifically, like, Mafia, very Japanese mafia, and how it runs and operates. Japanese adults getting, like, being tough at each other in Japanese, like, in a very... It's a setting that... It feels very married to its setting. Right. And that mystique that it has. So, so it feels right that it be in Japanese. The Japanese voice acting is really, really good. Um, like, just in, in the sense of like i can't really judge the acting perfectly but just in the sense of like the characters sound good like they have a uh, like they they sound good they have a very convincing like vocal timbre and all that like you can really feel that much but like get, getting back to the beginning like i played yakuza 1 it was garbage i picked up yakuza 2 it was super super good but like forcing myself to like play through Yakuza One, like I could totally see how I had originally come away from it and been like, "This is awful," because, like the the immediate thing that fixes Yakuza Two is that attacks actually track in Yakuza Two. Uh -huh. Like, in Yakuza One, if you attack someone and they get out of the way, your next attack is not going to be anywhere near where they just went. It's just going to keep you're just going to keep attacking where they were and it feels terrible and you just get blindsided by tons of attacks so to all interested in playing yakuza pray that we get yakuza kiwami because it would be 
nice to have a version of Yakuza 1 that I could easily re recommend to other people. <laughs> that would be nice. But uh. yeah, that, like, that's the other franchise for me. Like, it, it took until I played 2 and got an example of the form that was good, and then I could play Yakuza 1 and it's like, okay, hey, this is not, this doesn't play very well, but I can see where this is going, and like, I still love the design and writing and like the actual ideas in it and it's nice to see that with the sequels it became what it was trying to be but yeah sorry to interrupt no that's fine uh, I was trying to think of other ones um, I think Mega Man Legends I hated it originally but enjoyed oh, it more and I finally weird. went I back love to that. it like, that was the, because like my, my first exposure to Mega Man was uh, Mega Man and Dr. Wily's Revenge on the Game Boy, and that very conspicuously does not belong in this category because oh, it's gosh. awful. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so ridiculously hard. It's impossibly hard. And don't play it, but also, like, so I, so I played Mega Man Legends having no expectations of having a good time and loved it, so... Uh, well, I think I, I actually enjoyed those Game Boy Mega Man games back in the day and have gone back to play them and been like, wow, this is absolute garbage. Uh, like, absolute unmitigated trash. Like, it's so, like, it, Mega Man and Dr. Wily's Revenge is only playable if, like, you, are, you have been playing tons of NES Mega Man and you already know how Mega Man should be exactly, because otherwise it's so... It's the same games, but way harder, because you're way too big. Yeah. And you can't see anything. <laughs> But, yeah, Mega Man and Dr. Wily's Revenge, super hard, super bad. Uh, if, yeah, if we were to include things that weren't RPGs, I'd list some more things, like uh, Trauma Center Under the Knife. I hated it the first time I played it, and then, like, I bought it for cheap years later, and it's like, oh, this is fun. I enjoyed this. Why did I hate this? And it's, it's because it's stupendously hard. It's, it's just ball-bustingly hard, but... <laughs> But yeah, that's a example. Uh, let me think. Uh, Japanese roguelikes like um, Shirin and some other games, I think uh, Legend of the Unemployed Ninja, which I mentioned before, those I pretty much hated originally until I eventually went uh, back Over to, to the them. Dark side. Yes. Oh, you fell in a pit and died. What? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It was randomly generated. <laughs> oh, your f that food you you needed to eat has spoiled. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that that scroll that was completely unmarked. It's cursed. <laughs> Would you like your possessions identified? Oh, that awesome sword you just picked up. Yeah, that monster just turned it into a rice ball. Ah, uh, that must feel like the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Thank you, PS Plus Save Backup. That's cheat. You cheated. <laughs> it's not cheating. It's a system feature. Ain't no In game. Any case. Ain't no game genie here. In any case, yeah. I I think that's most of the ones I can think of. Yeah, I don't think there's. Uh, I don't think there's as many cases of going back and not liking them, except for like the age thing. Like Lagoon would be the big one. I would think of you can never play it again because you might learn what hatred truly is oh i have played it again 
Oh, and that's how you learned what hatred truly yes. is. I think I actually beat it, too, and at the end I was just like, well, that was a waste it's of time. It's only like four hours long. Yeah. Because I, I don't think, I never owned it back in the day, I just rented it, so, you know, I was all excited Lagoon to The feels like it would feel, feel a lot better if it actually played like East like it desperately wants to. Yeah. I've heard that the PC version did. Aww. So, like, if you played it on, like, PC-98 or whatever, like, that's probably actually pretty decent, if not spectacular. <laughs> But yeah, I was like, when, whenever I bought that copy years ago, I was all excited to finally get to have my own copy and beat the game, and then it was just like, yep, that was a waste of time. Luckily, it wasn't a waste of much time. Nope. Thankfully. I, I do occasionally have ideas of like games that are like this that I, I probably would like better on a second time, knowing what to expect out of them. I feel like if I were to have the 80 hours necessary to play okay again, I'd probably like it better, <laughs> knowing how it's actually paced ahead of time. But, like, I don't... There's, like... Hideki Kamiya is one of my favorite game developers. He's amazing, and his games are amazing, and I'm sure that I could learn to love it again, but... I don't... I don't have that time in my life. It's okay, he understands. He forgives yeah, you, Kamiya I'm sure. Kamiya's a guy. Or he doesn't forgive me at all, and it is... I don't think he cares, so long as I don't tweet at him about it. He's probably pre-blocking you from Twitter as we speak. No, no, it's fine. He's he's fine. Like, I convinced him to unblock Beat on Twitter once. <laughs> nice. The one time I've ever tweeted at him. Like, he's, he's real nice about, like, if you ask sincerely, like, hey, my friend didn't mean to piss you off, can you unblock him? And he'll be like, sure cool guy yeah alright uh, so is it time for the last lightning round question lightning round this might not actually be fast <laughs> yes so this was intended to be the question we'll answer quickly and then move to the end of the show the only problem being I picked a question that probably isn't a short answer but we'll see how it goes okay and the question is from Gaijin, who we obviously send congratulations to on the new baby. Congratulations on your new arrival. Oh, God, also, why? my apologies for making that conception <sighs> too, Joe. Please don't kill me. It's fine. I'm just going to insert that song at the end of this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised I was the one to make that joke. Yeah, I didn't even think of it until you said it. <laughs> Please, Gaijin, I apologize for marring your for your, marring your wonderful news by referencing Conception 2. On your new arrival. Okay. So, an extra question for you. Are there any major RPG releases in Japan these days with no overseas potential at all? Because it seems like every non-downloadable title, and even some of those, I've covered in the last year, and a few of the downloadables beat me to the punch, pretty much. And a few of the downloadable ones, too have been released or announced for release. And the only one I could think of this uh, for this was Yokai Busters because of uh, legal issues. Legal issues. <laughs> because okay, so number one, you know, I was thinking about this and I remember that before it got localized, the way people always referenced Yokai Watch was as Ghost Watch. And I was sitting there thinking I'm like, oh, 
So, in a way, that game's title translates to Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. yeah! And it like, may- actually using the word Busters was mildly surprising. <laughs> and it basically has the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man in it as a boss fight, so... This is like when Shin Megami Tensei Four had the head chemtrail in it, except much more copyrighted. <sighs> but yeah, um, that's probably yeah. I, maybe they'll make some changes and bring it over here. Uh, I would imagine that spinoffs are probably a lost cause anyway, because like yeah. they're busy trying to get us up to speed on the main games. So probably not. Um, and I was a bit worried about. Yokai Watch 3 as well, because it basically has Mulder and Scully in it. I figured 3 is probably safe, just because, like, that's the whole... I feel like that was the whole reason they bothered. Yeah. And also, Mulder and Scully parodies are pretty stock. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. It probably gets by just on... It's it's a parody. It's easier to parody the X-Files. The Ghostbusters is already a comedy. Yeah. (laughs) And plus... Plus, the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man in that game isn't really can't really say, oh, this is like you know a parody or a joke. It's the, it was already a joke. It's the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man. Like it's the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man. The Stave Puff Marshmallow Man's already a joke in the context of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like, and also you're ghost busting the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> but but you're doing it no, as yokai. That... that makes it better. That makes it okay, right? It's very different. Not a derivative work at all. No. Um, but yeah, like like with with X Files, like you can make that as a joke, and it's like, oh, it's it's a parody because in like it's a commentary on that work, even if it's just to make a joke on it at yeah. its expense. But yeah, like trying trying to think of like other things, like um, it, it really does feel like the. The field of what absolutely can't happen, as opposed to things that merely don't, has basically narrowed to nothing. Yeah, I, like I, honestly, Yokai... like a few years ago, my go-to choice would be something like Dungeon Travelers Two or Criminal Girls, where like the idea of a, an American <laughs> publisher being willing to bring up this amount of frottery would be mildly surprising. <laughs> oh, not so much anymore, huh? Yeah, like, I'm not even going to, like, judge. I'm just going to say I didn't think any American publisher would want to, like, bring up association with that. And they called your bluff. Yeah, like, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, well, I guess, you know, whatever. It hasn't really impacted them, so more power to you. Yeah, you know, I think Yokai Busters is actually a good example here because I think a lot of, like, the side entries in the series with probably super limited appeal in the West are kind of the big ones. So if you're mm. if a series is already kind of a niche here trying to release it getting a, a niche of a niche is dangerous. Yeah, so those those are probably gonna be the big ones then we've already had a lot of those like uh that Dragon Quest Monster Dragon Quest Monsters, uh that um is it the uh uh, Tales like strategy RPG for uh, 3DS, which I think is yeah, I think that was Tales of the World Summoners Lineage, something like that. I actually have it, and it's 
it's okay. Probably not great. Yeah, it's okay. Um, it's a Tales of the World game. Yeah. Stuff like that, probably not. Um, you know, I think the only other thing I would say is maybe the Vita, Vita games as they get on later in that system's life. Maybe like we're still getting boxed Vita games though. Like Ligula has a boxed release announced, I think. Yeah, and I mean we we got stuff like it was Lumi either that or like Tokyo Xanadu has like a boxed release. I can't remember one or the other does. And I mean we're still getting stuff like the limited run where they're very specifically yeah, limited run releasing those great work. physical editions. Yeah, uh, I love the like that. That's a beautiful thing that they do just to like you know like understand that you know games like games are going to be, it's going to be more and more an itch idea to like especially for things on something like the vita to keep releasing box releases so it's nice to see a company that like went out and did something about it like okay we can't make giant runs of you know uh small time like indie games or like but you know we can make a physical copy for those that really want it and that's yeah. really nice and well, speaking of them i'll be hopefully ordering some copies of rainbow moon for them shortly nice so. But uh, yeah, I, I think the other thing I was thinking about this last night when I was thinking about hey, uh, also here is my contract contractually obligated, not actually contractually ob obligated plug for Yakuza Zero that comes out in January. Please buy Yakuza Zero. <laughs> I want more Yakuza games. But I think uh, part of the reason that that series got another lease on life is uh, in the West is probably at least in part because of like shrinking console market in Japan. Yeah, like the. PS4 is a huge success here, but in Japan it's like, it's tanking like every other console, basically. Like, maybe now to the same degree, but it is not. Like, consoles just aren't popular there. So so franchises that subsist on console development need to, like, export or die. So, like, that's why you see things like Yakuza is making big pushes into, like, China, Southeast Asia, and America to, tr like, can this survive? Can this keep happening? Uh, like uh, Super Robot Wars is pushing into uh, Southeast Asia and China because, like, maybe there's an audience for it there that can sustain it because it's dying. Like, that, that's just one of those things that you're probably going to see happen. It's like these these things where there is an understanding from the publisher that they are at a make or break crossroads. Either the franchise needs to break into new markets or walk or like walk quietly into the night and so i think you'll probably see a few more chances taken on these just because otherwise it can't survive on homegrown sales yeah and that's tragic to watch but it might give some series a new lease on life so who knows yeah and you know this that actually makes me think that kind of the whole idea of the nintendo nx being portable and a home system makes a lot of sense. That's super important for pretty much those for reasons. Japan. Yeah, get you know get in the handheld market where they they're still having lots of success in Japan and the home market in the U.S. where yeah. uh, they're more likely to find a lot of success. It's one of those things where like it, it's it's kind of sad to see the like. The, the diaspora of like how much handhelds can get support in Japan and the U.S. Like in Japan, like you know, you'll get companies that like they essentially all threw their support behind it because it was so much cheaper. Like it kept a lot of companies alive, and like that's sort of t between.
between that and like various aspects of like you know the convenience and the whole like uh, space saving like rigmarole like you know the handhelds basically ate, handhelds and the phone ate consoles lunch in Japan. Yep. But like even at the height of the DS being like the most popular thing in existence and before, uh, like before piracy became a real issue on that platform, you couldn't get Western developers to give the thing the time of day. It's true. And if you, you look back at that and look for the big name Western games and scratch your head. Yeah, like there, there's none of them. There's like Rockstar made a GTA game that is underrated for it. And Sonic Chronicles? Oh, Jesus, that game's bad. <laughs> like, you know, knock together. Like that's the that's the story of the big name like Western development on handhelds though. It's like D team knocks together a low, low budget version of the thing you actually want to be playing. Yep. And you look at it now, and it's like oh, the Western development's all indie games, which is a lot of good stuff. To be fair, yeah, if but you, if you want Western games on a handheld, you get it through the indie. Yeah. And like that's that's fine, but you know like. You do kind of wish, like, that 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 other aspect, that other end of the spectrum, was represented. Like, what happens when a company that has a lot of resources actually puts them into a handheld game? Yeah. Like, because between that, you also have like cell phones, where they actually have put like effort into, but effort in like the grossest way possible a lot of the time, where it's just like, oh, we like we gave a small we gave a small amount of like we're this is very big for us we've vomited out like 50 like zombie versions of things that you remember that now run on timers and want you to spend money at every yeah. three minutes and it's just like <sighs> like please like you please actually put real, real thought into this there like mobile sh is a platform that has you Unique strengths and weaknesses that there should be unique, interesting games for, and this is not what they should be. Infinity Blade. That's that's about like the high water mark for mobile for me. Like yeah. it, it makes sense for the platform. It plays well. It looks good. Like it isn't constantly begging you for money. Like Infinity Blade was good. Like oh, it's like Punch Out, and that made perfect sense. Yeah. But for every Infinity Blade, there are literally thousands upon thousands, possibly millions, of utter garbage. Sometimes things that haven't worked on phone on anything past like Android 2.2 that they just can't remove from the App Store because it would bother. Yeah, you know, I look at like these App Store markets, and it's like, you know, people complain about things like like PSN and eShop, these like closed markets and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm good with those closed markets, thank you. Yeah. There's this awful feaster fan approach. Yeah. And then like you get the non feaster fan approach, which is like Steam, which tries to cut to split the difference but ends up doing having the worst aspects of both. Like there's a bazillion things on Steam and no real like gate for quality, but it's also a giant pain in the butt to actually get things on there. Yeah. Uh, How did we get here again? 
we got here from like are there any RPGs that absolutely can't make it here? Oh, and like that's the answer right. is spin-offs of spin-offs, basically. Yeah. Like well not like as much as I want Yakuza uh, Zero and Kiwami and Six. I have no illusions that we'll ever get like any of the spin-offs again because look at what Dead Souls nearly did. Yeah. Uh, obscure cell phone games you probably won't get. Uh, random. JRPGs. Yeah, like cell phone games. Cell, cell phone games. I think at this point represent the biggest chance of like a complete diaspora between yeah uh, West and East, where like only the biggest of those really gets translated. Except because, like, why games. would you spend the money to license? Why would you spend the money to license and translate when uh, a cheap phone game, when you could make your own cheap phone game and not like split the profit with anyone? Or you could be Kemco and just you know translate it yourself. Not very well. Yeah. Gaijin just yeah. told me well, t- told me today that they apparently ported ported or made. I'm assuming ported one of their games to Mac, and I was just. <laughs> spent the whole morning completely baffled by that. So when's the review coming? <laughs> it's not. It's in Japanese. I don't think it's... Oh, God, it's probably... They didn't even translate it? I, I think it was released on Mac in Japan. Oh. oh yeah, the one place where <laughs> Mac gaming is more dead. <laughs> you see why I'm so baffled? Like, like he told me this, and you know, including the link, and I'm just like, oh, that's weird. You know, and, and I click it, and it's a link in all Japanese. I'm like, wait, they released it for the Mac in Japan? What? Oh, God, I think this is the game. I just checked I just checked the app store. Like, oh, God, it is available in English. It is available okay, in English. Oh, God. Okay, that makes oh, more sense no. to me, though. Like, if it was, if it was available in Japan, but he's only on the Mac. It would be like, who is this for? Like the four, four people that are Mac users in Japan? Oh God! Oh God! Like that's um, such I'm a. Like, end up playing. Be... Oh God! It came out today. Oh God! It's that's released, why he. That's released, why he told me. <laughs> released only for Linux in Uganda. Okay, hold on. Let's see here. Uh, rated 12 plus for the following: infrequent, mild sexual content and nudity, infrequent, mild cartoon or fantasy violence. I, I like everything about Apple's Ursat ESRB is the vaguest thing imaginable. Let's 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 look at some of the translated text here. I just have a hard time imagining the high priestess duking it out with monsters. So if we run in danger, you can always stay in the rear and. Oh, it seems. Pretty okay. What is this giant? At least chu- they were capable of making it look fine for the previews. What is this giant chunk of lard and hair I'm stuck in? That just sounds filthy. Um, it's a two-tailed cat talking. Let's see what. No. Moving on. This looks like some kind of Final Fantasy four knockoff no, we're, to some extent. Of course it is, because that's all of their games. <laughs> I'm gonna buy this. So when's the review coming? It's not not re- the the last. I don't want to hate Kimco, but the last the last game of theirs I tried to review wasn't terrible or anything. It was just like it was boring. It was like really boring, and I did not want to play. I, it I any wish further. that my last memory, like I wish that my dominant memory of Kemco was boring because my dominant memory of Kemco is Batman Dark tomorrow. Oh God. Oh, okay. It's legitimately. 
like in contention for the worst video game I've ever played. And I play a lot of bad games just sort of because. Well. Game is so bad. Like, right. <laughs> like Batman falls off of Roof's simulator because the jump, like the camera changed direction in mid jump, and he just decided to fall into an alleyway instead. I've, I feel like I've ranted about Batman Dark Tomorrow statistically more often than any podcast about RPGs should. Probably. So I think that's cute to our cue to wrap this up. Uh. Oh, yeah, got more meat off of that than I realized. Yeah. All right, so thank you, Gaijin, for that question. Thank you, everyone, for all the questions, even the ones we haven't answered yet. We have appended all of them to our backlog. Thank you, Gaijin, for, you know, making us talk about those Tales spinoffs that we're probably going to have to hear whining about now. Listen, no no one in our threads cares enough about Tales of the World Summoner's Lineage. That's right. Everyone knows that you know the PS3 version of Vesteria is terrible anyway. So, I, I talk. Well, this I don't know if I mentioned this last episode. I talked to a friend who like finally played the PS3 version. I don't of think Vesteria. you did mention this. <laughs> like I know I mentioned it to you in yeah. AIM, but I don't think I mentioned it on. Like they finally played the PS3 version of Vesteria, and they were like, "This isn't very good." <laughs> 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 like, this person had been talking to me about how they really wanted to play Vesperia, but they didn't have an Xbox 360 for literal years. It was it was a surreal thing. Like, I, I told you. <laughs> I told you. This game's not actually remarkable. Like, this person actually outright hates it, but, like, beyond that, like, this game is not actually remarkable. It's not a terribly interesting game either way. Like, it was fun to play when you didn't have a lot of RPGs to play on your Xbox yeah. 360, but it wasn't. It wasn't something to pine over. Okay, yeah. we, we don't need to rant about this bugbear again. And we talked about it many times. I just thought that that was an interesting update on this legendary tale of Tales of Vesperia PS3. Well, yeah. I mean, still feeling some no- nostalgia after last episode, so considering how much I brought that up in the old Q&A, it's fun to poke fun at that every now and then. Like, you can poke at the wound now that it's out and people have to come to terms with the fact that it's an actual game rather than an idea of a game. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, we've known each other for uh, like six years at this point. That's weird to contemplate. That is weird. Alright, so. Moving on. Yeah. Die now. Moving on to non Tales of Vesperia being terrible things. Um, so, send your questions for next time or your hate mail at how. Uh, Tales of Vesperia PS3 is a masterpiece of of RPG. The, the clear apex of the Tales franchise, clearly. Clearly. Uh, you can tweet us at AskWheels and FanboyMaster. Uh, you can... Does anyone... Oh, no, no one sends an email. You can put questions on the board. Listen, all whoops actually send half of these questions via email. Yeah, but he knows my email because he's staff. Find wheels at rpgamer.com if you want to use email. I, I honestly don't know if ask.fm even exists anymore, so... Uh. I know th- I want to say that it changed so that you have to, like, log in to ask questions via it, so... Oh, yeah, so that, that probably has put put it on a slow track towards uh, irrelevance. Or possibly a fast one. 
Yeah, probably a fast one. Uh, so don't bother with that. Um, if you have any but questions... the thread is always checked, so... And this time I promise that Wheels will actually add this to the list of podcast uh, episodes. Oh yeah, well it's in the feed. I made sure to add it in the feed. Uh, I didn't... Yeah, I did. just did not put it in the archive. Um, That's important. Yeah, I know not everyone we'll uses the feed. We'll need to know our shame. I know not everyone uses the feed, so... Like to make sure it's the episodes are accessible to everyone. So, by the time this once this episode goes up and uh, gets updated, I'll update the archive for both episodes. Good wheels, good. Do you yes. feel better now? I do. I feel much better. Um, and yes, if also if you have any suggestions as to whether I should be buying fleshy souls or bony spirits, this is a very important topic, and I need input. Yes, anyone, any, like whoever posts first in the thread is probably essentially going to decide it. <laughs> probably. I mean, I was just, I was looking at an Amazon before and looking at like the little bonus it says on the cover and it's like, special move for Jibanyan. So I was like, okay, let me look at the other one. And it's like, bonus special move for Jibanyan. Like, <laughs> it probably just is a unique helping. special move? Yeah, I think, I, I, I think they're two different ones. It's probably. Like, <laughs> this is supposed to be making my decision, and it's not helping. <laughs> like I think the idea is that your decision is what what one is in stock. <laughs> they don't want you to like specifically not buy an, buy a game just because you don't. They don't have the one that you want. I guess. I mean, obviously, each one has certain yokai, but. Like I said before, I'm not particularly fond of any specific yokai other than, like, Jibanyan, who is fun. And Robot Jibanyan, who... Oh, it's God, J- hilarious. Jibanyan, but a robot. Jibanyan, ah. but in the Age of Fat. Yes, this was actually the uh, the episode in the anime I got the most kick of. Sorry to drag this episode out even longer, but uh, basically a robot Jibanyan from the future just randomly shows up and is like oh I'm I'm like totally more awesome to you and they have a bunch of cost contests and obviously he is because he's a robot from the future yeah and then and then he's just like to uh the main character whose name I forget and don't really care about Nate yes he gives him his medal and is like summon me and then just disappears and it's like okay (laughs) totally random (laughs) kind of hilarious Robot Jibanyan. Now I'm just, well, now I'm just thinking about how much I want a cat version of Mazinger named Nyazinger. <laughs> like that has to have happened. Mazinger's <laughs> existed for like forty years, and Japan loves cat buns. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. Uh, I've got to Google this to see if it exists. Yes. All right. I'm ending this before we start making a bunch of cat puns. See you next time, everyone. 